And I'm once again back. Welcome everyone. I wish I could come into this with good news, but sadly, unfortunately, I watched uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny twice. And most of the leaks that were occurring before the film came out seemed to be relatively true, and it looks like there are a lot of reshoots that were either hastily covered up or not really covered up at all. There are some parts of the film that are completely disjointed from the rest and makes it kind of obvious that something else previously was there where it is now not. But I think my initial reaction to the film, the first uh, tweet or post that I made about it was, you know, like 2.5 out of 5 stars. Um, it's definitely not the worst movie I've ever seen. And it's definitely not the worst that Lucasfilm has ever done to one of their uh, legendary characters. They treated Luke Skywalker way worse in The Last Jedi and uh, Han Solo and whatever he was in. So it's they've definitely done worse to great characters. The problem is you just don't have characters in Star Wars that are quite like Indiana Jones. So it. Honestly, I feel like it's a bit worse when he is done wrong, necessarily. Uh, there were four main, large, overarching complaints I had with this film. And a fifth one, honorable mention, I'll actually go with the honorable mention first. Number one, this film had zero reason to exist. Absolutely none, not a single, even half reason that I could think of that justifies setting a camera up to make this film. There was no inspiration behind it. There was no real demand for it, especially after uh, people loved the original trilogy and they were kind of disappointed with how Crystal Skull um, tried to to bookend it and push past what they thought was a perfect ending. And so, once again, too, a completely uninspired kid, niece, sidekick, whatever you call them, heir apparent, as Kathleen Kennedy seemed to be desperately attempting to lean towards. She was completely uninspired. Um, Helena Shaw was neither femme fatale, nor was she skippy companion, nor was she interesting in her own right. Her entire character was just, hey, me and this kid have a creepy relationship and we steal stuff and we pout and bitch and moan when there's a possibility that this old geezer we're traveling with is going to turn in ancient relics to a museum instead of letting us just take him and sell him on the black market. And I guess survive Nazis. That was her entire character. There was literally nothing to her. She had no reason in particular to go after the dial. She had zero reason to be um, hanging out with her. Godfather. It was Godfather, not niece. Um, she had no reason to hang out with her Godfather. She had absolutely no reason to wait as long as she did to start going after the artifact that she knew Indy had for well over a decade. I mean, she was just completely useless. It was just another mutt just with way less 
characterization, far, far fewer moments to actually have any kind of exposition into who she is as a person and what her characteristics are, what she's like, what she wants, besides just stealing shit. Um, in a shorter movie, Crystal Skull, there were several scenes pretty well done where we actually get to learn about Mutt. So you have the diner scene where he's sitting down with Jones explaining why he's finding him and why he needs him now. Not just, oh yeah, I randomly decided to show up one day after stalking you like Helena did. No, he had a very good reason for showing up when he did. And he needed help that moment. And then you learn about um, his mother who cleverly, we find out later, is Marion. Uh, Ravenwood, not just any old Marion, as Indy didn't recognize the name at first. He never got a, a last name that he would have known her by. So interestingly, we have a movie that's like half an hour longer, and it's all just crammed into these exhausting, useless chase scenes that don't end up progressing the plot or story at all, just conveniently finally dumps characters at a point where they need to be geographically after a really boring and uninspired chase sequence. So despite having more time, they somehow managed to get less characterization in for the new characters they were trying to introduce. And Indy too, he, he didn't have any real damn reason to go after anything. It was one of those poorly written plots where the protagonist is kind of just dragged along everywhere because he's either too old or too senile to know what he's doing or care and or he feels forced to do things and so he has to do them and that kind of is like a Harrison Ford um, specialty See, uh, seeming as though he's just, being, just going along with, with a plot or a movie or an event because he feels like he has to be there and he's not afraid to say or show that he doesn't want to be there and he doesn't give a shit and he's exhausted and tired and, um, and he doesn't see the value of, of what's going on here. That's how Indy seemed through most of the film. He seemed like he had no fucking clue what was going on, why he was there, why anyone was there. Um, the next complaint was that uh, it really, really missed Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Which sounds funny saying after Crystal Skull, but I mean, Crystal Skull was far, far better than this film. But the magic of Spielberg is that he's able to make, kind of like Gore Verbinski with Pirates, he's able to make action sequences both um, tense, but also interesting, dynamic, and funny um, in many cases. And he knows the perfect timing for them. He just has a knack for knowing when um, a chase or an action scene is getting exhausting or not going anywhere or boring. Or there's a chance that the longer this drags out, the more likely it is that a mistake will be made or continuity error or something or a plot hole. And he knows when to cut it. And he knows how to put a dramatic arc into each individual scene, not just trying to stretch a movie to fit the um, dramatic arc overall. He, he does it for each and every scene. 
you always know what the character's goals are, what their motivations are, what the stakes are, and what the obstacles are for them to achieve it in each scene. That's not even apparent in the movie, much less individual, exhausting, 20-minute long chase scenes that, frankly, it's astonishing that they didn't end in the first couple minutes because Helena either runs like a giraffe that's um, been severely mentally handicapped and she's slow as hell and she's a terrible driver. So there are many chase sequences where I'm sitting there wondering why on earth the Nazis didn't just shoot them or catch them in the first couple minutes because it's not that hard. It's not like the 80-year-old dude and the woman who runs like um, she doesn't have any feet are a really difficult chase. It's not really tough to catch up to them. But this film desperately missed Steven Spielberg. And um, the increase of Kathleen Kennedy's role cannot be overstated in assessing the complete downfall of Lucasfilm since Disney bought it. Which is something I said in 2012... People told me to shut up. I shut up. And now they're all freaking out because both Star Wars and Indiana Jones have been run into the ground by Kennedy and company. And a bunch of uninspired... um, I don't know if uh, hires is a good word. It's more like um, prisoners of war slapping together last-minute crap. Because Chris Terrio was literally jamming up the lazy, crappy Rise of Skywalker script on set as they were filming the damn movie. It's not a recipe for a good film. And they sank $350 million before marketing into this Indiana Jones movie, which had no clear vision, no clear reason for existing, and nothing enticing for the audience to... I want to come see it, which is why it's bombing at the box office. It's highly unlikely to break even, and it's pretty much guaranteed not to make a profit uh, from its box office. Some other complaints I had with this film were that the uh, the cinematography was it was severely lacking compared to the first four films. Even the fourth one looked absolutely stunning and beautiful and it got the benefit of pushing boundaries that the first three couldn't just due to the simple advancements in computer generated imagery and um, VFX that occurred between 1989 and 2008. This one though seemed like you can easily see the flaws. Um, The first half hour opening sequence, the one that felt like it was most resembling and trying to be a Spielberg Indiana Jones film with the de-aged Indiana Jones was um it was kind of weird because Mads Mikkelsen looked terrible with the de-aging you could tell with the all of the de-aging budget was pretty much sunk into um pasting the archival footage of Harrison Ford onto his 80 year old body which was also pretty obvious uh it was very clear that this guy who was who who was built and looked younger than the Crystal Skull Indiana Jones was moving and speaking um, with much more age than his future self. Um, 
which is pretty obvious because um, in the fourth one, it's clear that they um, did not always use a stunt double or a body double. They actually had 80-year-old Harrison Ford going through the opening sequence and then just kind of trying to make him look younger. So you can hear and see a really, really old dude. Um, and in some cases, it was egregiously bad. Uh, when he is running across the top of the tracks at the beginning of the sequence where he's on top of the train, it's it looks worse than a video game. You can tell that the shot is 100% animated. Um, it's not a real person running and hopping. It's just so painfully obvious, even in the dark um, setting and atmosphere that they created to try and cover up as many of the mistakes and as much of the CGI as possible. Yeah, the, the technology did not work as well as they thought it did. Um, anytime he was sitting still, that's when it looked best. Anytime he moved his face or moved his body, it started to look very bad. Especially at the tail end of the sequence where they're walking on the hill. Um, that's probably the most obvious one. And you get some daylight in that scene, so <laughs> I understand why they tried to cover it in darkness. But and then the rest of the film was completely uninspired in its camera angles and camera movements and shot composition and cinematography. And the villains were lame in this one. Very, very lame. Um, they also didn't seem to have any clear motivations. From what we could tell, they wanted to get the Dial of Destiny, which is a device that sort of predicts rifts in time and space. Which is weird because it doesn't seem to really do that. And it's also not a time travel device, so if anyone's confused as to what it does or why it exists, you're not alone. And I'm pretty sure that the director of the film, the actors in it, and the producers and the writers all share your confusion and general lack of knowledge about this device because it's completely useless and it never gets an explanation for why it exists or what it does. Um, Helena makes an assumption in the climax that it only exists to get Nazis and an injured 80-year-old Indiana Jones to an ancient place in Greece during an invasion. Which is really stupid because if someone wanted to specifically make a device to bring someone to help during an invasion, you'd think that they would create it so that a younger version of that hero would find you and come back and help you and maybe not bring Nazis with um, automatic machine guns along for the ride. I don't know. Archimedes is a genius and you think that he would have um, found a clever way to avoid the devastation and the the time paradox that he caused. So it's still, it's still very unclear because you don't know if the device 
made the rift or if the rift was just there and the device kind of points at it, which is really idiotic because you wouldn't need a device to point at a giant rift in space and time. I mean, it's, it's there. They knew where to fly before they had the device. So it's very weird that they had to get it, put us, reassemble it and then take it with them. They already seemed to know where to go and the rift was there regardless of whether the device exists or not. So the entire climax was just an excuse to try and make, have some sort of last second twist to desperately distract you from the fact that you just watched two hours of nothing. Um, and two hours of a very lazy deconstruction of most people's favorite or second favorite cinema hero of all time. So yeah, the existence of the movie and the existence of the MacGuffin are still completely baffling to most people, even after two viewings. And so uh, the ending was even worse, though. Henry wanted to stay in the past with Archimedes um, and quote-unquote help him because bringing Nazis back to kill his own people and the Romans that were invading with machine guns and artillery and giant fighter planes and to drag his goddaughter and a kid into it. Well, she dragged him, but whatever. And so he wants to stay and cause a, a time paradox and destroy the fabric of reality. All the Doctor Who stuff, right? So she punches him in the face, takes the dial, the finished dial, away from Archimedes, so we still don't know how he knew how to finish it, the one he was working on, or why he even bothered to finish it, or any of that. We have no clue why he would even bother making it after seeing that, frankly, the Romans succeeding in their evasion might be preferable to the hell that you unleashed with all this bullshit anyway. But anyway, she knocks him out so he doesn't stay in the past, drags him back to the future through the rift, um, brings him back to his New York apartment because he's living in New York now, and Marion comes in and they perform a little arthritis um, maneuver, trying to recreate the iconic Raider scene where um, he's in pain and she's trying to soothe his pain on the ship and it comes across as very crusty and painful to watch I can't tell if it's more painful watching them have to move their limbs up and down or if it's more painful just to see Disney and Lucasfilm yet again trash a character and a series for two hours and then try to plug a little um, lazy bit of nostalgia bait somewhere in there to get people to say, oh, look, it's, it's, it's the same, so cool, um, with all four of their brain cells. So, yeah, overall, I'm not sure why this movie exists. At one point, um, the main villain guy sort of sees um, Indy and his goddaughter put her off in a boat after blowing up a stick of dynamite to escape from him. So he whips out his binoculars and sees all what, 500 miles? 200? Oh, wait, no. I think it was probably more like a thousand miles 
he was able to see through his binoculars exactly where they went a thousand miles away. Because he said they're going east, not west. Or they're going west, not east. And then somehow he ended up exactly at the exact same port that they ended up at. Despite the fact he had no idea which specific town they were going. And he had no idea that after going west beyond his vision, if they were going to cut north, south, or northwest, or southwest, or even circling back and sneaking east, throwing him off by going west. It's just the dumbest film that Indiana Jones could have possibly ever been in. It's making me wish that Lucas had made a uh, Indiana Jones Christmas special back in the day to rival the Star Wars one because it probably would have been better than this film. It was mostly just an abomination. It was an excuse for Kennedy to try and replace him with um, some brown-haired woman that's trying to be smarter and tougher and better than him and everything, just like Ray was, just like Oliver, Kathleen Kennedy self-inserts are. So, I mean, main verdict is this has even less reason than Crystal Skull for existing. Crystal Skull at least did a lot of things that were very interesting and cool. We got to see an older Jones who still had his fighting spirit. <laughs> um, we got to see the possibility how he would cope with um, having a child that they just randomly kill off screen in this one and still doesn't serve as good enough motivation for him to be engaging in the plot in any way whatsoever. Um, it had a really cool uh, side characters like John Hurt playing um, Harold Oxley. Even Mac was a lot more fun to watch than most of the characters uh, in this film, including their creepy little short round knockoff. I'm shocked that they didn't have an adult short round in this film. He would have been amazing. And he's the only one worthy to take up the torch, in my opinion. Um, when Henry gets this damn old and he can't move anymore and he shouldn't really be doing this. And, yeah, overall, just the writing was dreadful. Um, there's pretty much not a single iconic line I can even think of in this film that wasn't a just a rephrase of a iconic line for the first three movies. And Jones's response to a train full of Nazis is just say the word Nazi as many times as he can when he's on screen. Almost as if you won't get the point. You know, you might not realize that they're Nazis, right? So overall, this it was pretty terrible. It had no reason to exist. But it wasn't as horrible as the leaks were saying. Uh, some of those reshoots did seem to clear up the, the worst of the leaks. Some of the test screeners uh, saw the version where um, good old plucky Kennedy, I mean, um, Fleabag, I mean, uh, Helena, takes Jones's hat and whip and just kind of inserts herself into all the previous movies and becomes him because he dies in the past or something. So much of this movie seemed like complete horseshit. Uh, luckily, the worst of it seems to have been toned down a bit. And the least popular aspects of the test screened versions of this film um, 
luckily got exercised out. So at least it was still, I mean, half a half of a movie. Because if you take all the good parts of the two and a half hours, you probably get at least, I mean, an hour of entertainment out of it, roughly. There were a couple of cool flashbacks. Um, it was neat to see what another one of Indy's friends go mad because of um, an artifact. And you can see the responsibility he feels for damage that some of his adventures cause, but to go all the way and just kind of pretend he's some sort of useless old grave robber who doesn't understand the value of currency is just naive and stupid, condescending and insulting to any audience that might watch it and any audience that enjoyed the first four movies, no matter how old they are. Um, it's just it's just a waste. It's a waste of the character. It's a waste of money, obviously. They're not going to make it back even, so they get what they deserve. But, yeah, I mean, it just really had no place in this series. has no place on the shelf next to the other four. And it has no place in the plans of the new Lucasfilm either. Um, he's from a bygone era when action movies were allowed to be fun and exciting and their heroes were allowed to be um, interesting, fun to watch, clever, um, inventive. And when being male in an action movie was not a crime or a bad thing, You just, this kind of character has no place in their new plans here. So, I don't know why they made it, but they did, and the past is the past, and the people spoke, and um, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to break even, so. It's a sad end, but it's the kind of end that this industry deserves for just trying to milk things and screw things until they run dry instead of coming up with new ideas or inventive um, stories and characters that people are actually going to like and then are just condescending nasty tokenizers for two and a half hours of people's time. So yeah, overall, um, I'll probably give it two out of five stars. Removing half a star for all the things that I remembered disliking about this film as I did the review. And uh, it just seems like the only Indiana Jones movie I'm not going to own. Which is sad because I really hoped that this would be something. Uh, and a couple years ago, I had a lot of faith that Harrison Ford wouldn't let this happen to the character. And wouldn't let this happen to the script. But it's quite clear he had zero control over any of that. And he doesn't seem to care either, so. Yeah, there's that too. Um, he reserves the right not to give a shit. But so do we. And most people didn't and haven't, so. Overall, I can't recommend it, even as a way to pass time. There's just too many other good movies coming out. Um, the first Pirates movie is back in theaters for two weeks to celebrate its 20th anniversary and Disney's 100th. It's a much better investment of nine bucks 
than to uh, go to Jones. And there are just too many interesting movies coming out this summer to really waste any time on Kathleen Kennedy's rapidly disappearing position at Lucasfilm. And um, Raiders was released as a, a limited event. And I'll be doing a revisitation of that in my second episode here because watching them back to back was so much more painful than if I had just forgotten about the other four and watched this as its own thing. But the fact that I, the, the first one and the first trilogy and even parts of the fourth one are so fresh in my mind when I saw this, it made it even worse. It made it hurt a lot more and hit a lot harder and made me a lot more sleepy in the theater and wish that I was somewhere else. But yeah, this is the only of the Indiana Jones films that doesn't belong in a museum. And I would not be sad to see it sold on the black market and disappear from the public eye forever. It was pretty awful to the character and to the legend and to Spielberg. Uh, Everything he tried to do with the first four uh, is just an insult to him and his legacy and George Lucas's uh, ideas for the character. Because even at their worst... They were so, so much better than Kathleen Kennedy was at her best. Um, And that's going to be true forever. No matter what she does, um, she's proven that she refuses to even attempt to do anything other than stand on the shoulders of giants and just to shit on their heads. Um, So she can't go soon enough.